Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about Final Destination on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from what the Internet tells me is Long Island, although it really feels like somewhere mid-state New York. I don't know. <laughs> I researched it for five minutes. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the goriest of details of 2000s, final destination in the hopes that a uh, teenager's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that if uh, she uh, hangs up all of her niceties along the laundry line in my bathroom, she will pick it out before I have to take a shower. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Uh, thank you for uh, not saying anything about being on an airplane because I <laughs> I need to not have a panic attack just talking about this this plane crash scene. Yeah, yeah, no, it's completely understandable. <laughs> uh, especially the way it's introduced, which I had forgotten how callous everyone is uh, once they get on the plane they immediately start prognosticating how it's not going to go down it's like oh that uh we're hitting nails right on the head here yeah, just a little bit <laughs> and these are the most shovy teenagers i've ever seen in my life they're constantly shoving the fuck out of one another you know pushing each other around you put each other in headlocks <laughs> they're all like they're all like 18 years old yes We'll get into it. Uh, but first, Gina, uh, before we start talking about costuming problems, uh, we are not alone. I don't want to scare you, but we got a special guest. Now, you might know him for all, all sorts of movie and TV projects from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. His latest is his memorable appearances on Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett, the one, the only Galen Howard. How are you doing today, Galen? Hey, I'm doing great. I am uh, excited to talk about uh, uh, young people uh, dying horribly creative deaths. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're just one step, and all of us are just one step from death. But here, mm -hmm. that one step goes way out of its way. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole, uh, yeah, I mean, I, if only all of us could have, could have a diagram of, 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 of the of our order of death I mean it, I would like I would like that I also I'm also I'm also not sure how he how he got that seating plan but we'll get to that yeah well we will get to that it would be nice if we had like you know those old-fashioned dance charts where you would see the feet on the floor and it'd be like one two and then an arrow <laughs> mm -hmm, over to exactly the three. but at the end of it death mm -hmm. I think it would it would solve a lot of problems well, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Final Destination, it's our second uh, franchise of this particular season. We're going overboard this year. But uh, Final Destination, I feel, is a little underserved. Uh, I wouldn't say it's under. It just, it feels like it has fallen into a weird crack where it does not certainly have the status of a Halloween or a Friday the 13th. And it also doesn't seem to have the status of a Scream or even a 2000s film. It, it's sort of weirdly in the middle here. And well, see, me, it's not quite subversive. It's not. Yeah, yeah it kind of it doesn't 
doesn't it doesn't follow the same tropes of the the trend of films at that time. Yes, other than the fact that it is filled to the brim with hot teen actors, mm-hmm. uh, some of them drop from uh, other movies, others from TV. You know, it's they're mixing them together. The poster them all in a deep v you know just the way you want to see horror characters oh it's that classic uh, poster structure yeah that classic design but there's there's something that i've always liked about final destination there's a bit of subversive nature to it and i also believe it is a bit of an innovation like it just has to be acknowledged on this show when we have a bit of slasher technology innovation whether it's from black christmas to halloween or Halloween to Friday the 13th, or Friday the 13th to Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street to Child's Play, Child's Play to Scream. And then I feel like Final Destination, it has a differentiation point from the Scream films in that it is a prototypical slasher without the prototypical slasher villain. He's not personified. You don't have to wonder who's underneath the mask. It's not a mystery. You don't have to go, oh, well, how can you kill him? He's undying because he is death. And they kind or of someone, that Or some would point. argue it's the ghost of Rube Goldberg. Sure. <laughs> haunting them all. And I personally cannot think of a worse way to be killed than by the ghost of Rube Goldberg. <laughs> I don't even have a copyright for this machine that I have. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how Rube talked. I don't, know, I don't either. Does he talk I, like but that's, Jack you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, Final Destination is an interesting innovation and it, it sets its own tropes up, which another movie really can't quite copy. Uh, several movies now have tried to kind of inch into this territory your bye-bye mans as it were uh have attempted this and i don't think any of them have really come close to it which is why uh, wouldn't you know it is as soon as we announce what we're gonna do somebody who owns the rights to it's like let's make one of these things and this is true here final destination will be made as some sort of thing for hbo max apparently so we, we will have that to look forward to uh but as we do in most of, of these things where we start a, a, a new franchise, we want to know where people have seen this before. So, Gina, uh, did you catch this in theaters or was this something I foisted upon you? Uh, well, neither, actually. Uh, but okay. as you as you know, this is the only one in this entire series that I've actually seen. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I do know a, a lot of the, uh, the, the kills from the later movies like mm-hmm. i know the gymnast one and i know yeah. the the uh the kid that gets flattened by the pane of glass and is this the most gift horror franchise i i'm pretty sure them? it is yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. it is but this one i did watch like it probably i must have seen it on cable i know i definitely didn't see it in the theater so probably god maybe 15 years ago i i, <laughs> I remembered a, i remembered a lot about it but sure. i've only saw this is only the second time i've seen it Okay. Uh, how about you, Galen? Also, neither. I had um, I I saw it actually for the first time just uh, just last year around Thanksgiving uh, or, or Halloween rather. Um, mm. And um, yeah, I, yeah. I think it was ex- one of those expiring on HBO Max, so I um, saw it that way. But um, yeah, I think I 
it was I avoided a lot of films like this when 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 they were uh, contemporaries, uh, you know, right. when I was in high school um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of came to the whole horror genre a bit late, you know, in fact. But um, but, yeah, I saw this one just yeah, just a, just about last just about last year. And okay. I think and then I um, and then I made it, I think, about halfway through the um, um, through the second one and, uh, and got distracted. <laughs> put, I made it, it. Put it. Put it on the DVD box. Uh, I I watched it till I got distracted. Galen out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw, I saw the big pileup car crash. That was cool. And then I was yeah. like, Yeah, I think I I think that's that's the price of admission. I'm good. Yeah, I, I the I, I I enjoyed this. I did, but yeah. I also don't know if there need to be eight of them or however however many five? there are. Five, well, there's five, right? There are five currently, yes. Currently. Um, I will say that I find them satisfying in in the sense that the things that I liked about Friday the 13th as a franchise, I also kind of like about Final Destination. There's a just enough wit. The people are just pretty enough to be on camera. Um, there, there's sometimes the skill level is high and sometimes the skill level is way low and the <laughs> characters are, are only on screen so, for so long. So that it gives you the opportunity to fill in the gaps of what these people might be because the movie tends to not tell you. So from that standpoint, I really enjoy it. And the other component of it that very much feeds into my mania is that, it was originally designed to be an X-Files episode. And I was extremely into the X-Files in the 90s to the point which I attended an X-Files convention in Burbank, California and watched the premiere of the Millennium Preview on on a screen and clapped afterwards as if what I had seen was good. (laughs) That's how... Into the X Files, you were committed. You were committed. Any extension of this has to be fantastic. So Jeffrey Rennick, who's the original screenwriter here, uh, wrote this as a spec script for the X Files, uh, and his intention was for Scully's brother to have this premonition, and then uh, to then have Death kind of try to catch up to him with like Um, with, with and like killing off his friends, presumably. I don't believe it was friends. I believe it was random people that he was also on the airplane. With. Got it. But it was some sort of like, and it probably wouldn't have been as many people because you've got, what, like 44 minutes at that time to actually conclude an X-Files episode. Yeah, so it'd be so like a one, You two, only three. have as many people's act breaks is more than likely yeah, what would have happened. Per, yeah, one per act probably. Right. And so while this never makes it really to the X-Files, it does the script gets floated over to new line pictures and they're like, all right, we haven't had a horror hit in a minute. And there's something to this that really works, right? Screams out horrors, hot. Uh, let's make these people teenagers and let's, uh, you know, make this feature length. So he's hired to do the first draft and he kind of, what comes out of that Riddick thing, Riddick draft is that death is neither seen nor personified. It's just, 
a larger movie size shape of the idea. Meanwhile, they're shopping this around to various writers and directors, and they happen upon James Wong and Glenn Morgan, two vets of the X-Files themselves. And they're looking to make the jump from TV to movies after Space Above and Beyond kind of collapses underneath them on Fox. So they get recruited by night by New Line to kind of direct and write as a team with the goal of like, let's make the characters uh, a bit more pronounced uh, and individual. Uh, let's make the death sequences more suspenseful. And they kind of, they up the Rube Goldberg game of all of this. And then they're adding more mythology to the concept about death and his design, as it were. So Wong, yeah. uh, just to... A quote from him says, the one thing that we were all in agreement on from the start is that we didn't want to do a quote unquote slasher movie. I think he fails <laughs> in a good way on that one. But uh, he, I became very excited when we decided to make the world at large in the service of death, our antagonist. Everyday objects and occurrences then begin to take on ominous proportions and it becomes less about whether or not our characters are going to die. Uh, which is the prototypical way of a slasher movie, and more about how they will die and how they can delay those deaths. The entertainment value is in the quote-unquote ride, not in the outcome. And by placing the premise of the film on the inevitability of everyone's death, we play a certain philosophical note. Um, so you can, they weave, start uh, start weaving a bit of humor into this, which would be kind of Glenn Morgan's sort of deal. For example, he had experienced the thing of being in an in an airport and hearing the John Denver song and thinking to himself, why would you play a song of a guy who recently died in a plane crash over the PA system? <laughs> that That is kind of the setup for this. That's why Final Destination, I feel like, makes the franchise cut for this because there's an innovation and a flair to it. And while this particular edition of it doesn't quite get to the high gore that it will eventually get. I think it, it does. It gets to that place where gore is placed on a priority once the, the MPA kind of backs off of the, oh, I don't want to see blood and guts on screen thing. And uh, it, this movie benefits from it wildly. It's a, it's a fun franchise with characters who, um, I, <laughs> they barely have any screen time. <laughs> the, the best kind of kill by kill set them up and knocking them down <laughs> very much so um so let's get into it let's start off uh from the beginning what a wonderful place to start and of course that's with opening credits now a lot of people lament the fact that we don't have opening credits anymore um they're put in the back of the film and i think this is a good reason why here now Aside from the who boy '90s font that we get from, uh, <laughs> yeah, from the, it's it's real, you know. Uh, would you download a car type of typography? <laughs> yes. Uh, to um, but aside from that, everything like of the a bunch of deaths are sort of prognosticated in the opening credits here, and I've always really appreciated that. There's the hanging illusion yep. of the puppet that Todd will eventually die from hanging. Uh, all this is kind of threaded in. Yeah. Um, and the, and the fan is, does is over the guillotine. Yeah, There's right. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the fan does 
foretell his death shortly before. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and of course, uh, the gravestone of Jim Morrison, which predicts some of uh, the truly horrendous needle drops that we will find in this film. Mm. Like, like, uh, the, like the like the Nine Inch Nail song actually uses the phrase "Final Destination." Yeah, <laughs> it is truly like somebody <laughs> asked an intern scan lyrics of songs for "Final Destination." <laughs> like, uh, where can we uh, find Nine Inch Nails? Yeah. Uh, Works. Like, okay, yeah. sure, contemporary. Uh, speaking of some bad music, uh, <laughs> let's hey talk now. about. Well, Nine Inch Nails isn't quite qualifying, but when it comes to our lead character Alex Browning, he's not a Nine Inch Nails fan. Not based on the posters in his bedroom. You know how we love a bedroom poster. So here's how it goes. We're gonna start with him being a big John Waters fan. Does is anything about Devin Sawa in this film strike you as John Waters fanatic? Not so I mean. Much. I mean, sure, he could be. We just know so little about him. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I mean, he could be a he could be a budding cineast. We we don't know. Right. You know, uh, yeah, a fan of the counterculture. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're like, what's a new line movie? And they're like, <laughs> uh, John Waters Pecker. And they're like, well, we get us a poster. Let's hang it up with two thumbtacks. Right. But it really goes downhill from there because then we learn that Alex loves the Goo Goo Dolls. Well, I mean, Patrick, it was 2000. <laughs> but even I stopped buying Goo Goo Dolls albums circa 1997. This is just really off the pace here. I mean, do you know what the, do you know what the number one song in 2000 was? The number one pop song? Oh, God. Was it a Goo Goo Dolls song? It was not, but it was. Was it like Savage Garden or something? It was Smooth. <laughs> Oh, oh God. that was 2000. Wow. That was 2000. It had oh. to have been 2000 because that ended up on the soundtrack of the Beetlejuice music review. Um, that I, what? That I <laughs> was helping mount in Universal Studios, Japan. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that song. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. Yes. And, 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 the, and, and by that, you mean the, um, um, the side, the, the side character in the Howard Stern show. It was his musical review. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a weird licensing deal. They couldn't clear Warner Brothers, but they could. But, we, get but you that. got Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Yeah, you know, you <laughs> and, take what you get. You know, he listen. The uh, the people of Japan loved him. Yes, uh, well, you know, singer, he is big a dancer, in Japan. So, a mover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, also on the wall, a poster for Canadian post grunge outfit Mystery Machine. Uh, which shows them in retro 70s chords sitting on a shag rug. Wow, they're really breaking the envelope on the 90s aesthetic. <laughs> there was a, there, yeah, there was a lot of retro shag in the 90s. There really was. Well, everyone was like, uh, the aesthetic is my mom's basement. You know, yes, yeah, it's all wood paneling and uh, stuff that well, should have killed you but didn't. Yeah, orange. We we, yeah. we liked orange that again. Mid nineties, the like, yeah, Rembrandts and all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pale browns, mm-hmm. just things that that, that, no, uh, well, that just really you know that just pale browns is really what gets me going. You know, yeah, it was it was a, it was a time when you know you were dating someone and you could and you stayed together because you kind of indifferently liked the same movie. You know how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, 
You, yeah, yeah, you both had the same Counting Crows album. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, also on the wall, multiple pictures of dogs in different hats. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, several cu- cardboard cutouts of dinosaur bones, which th- that's the one thing that that speaks true of a of a teenager's bedroom that like they haven't completely made the turnover of everything that they loved when they were nine. Now that they're seventeen, they haven't um, they haven't made they haven't completely transitioned over to the like maxim cutouts. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Where are the maxim cutouts here? I that, know. that is. Well, well, um, well, it's the, it's the, it's the penthouse in his drawer. That's true. Yes. And there, nothing tells me that someone's a teenager more than the belief that your mom will never look in your drawers. Yes. <laughs> it's like, this is hidden from the world. No one will see it over one pair of shorts. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So we learned that, uh, Alex Browning, uh, and all of, the characters here are named after horror writers or directors um, from the twenties onward. Yeah. Uh, Golden something age, yeah. we've already kind of seen um, in hello, Mary Lou prom night two. And mm. I think that's where it should have ended. <laughs> they did that. Uh, they did it well that time. That, that time they knocked it out of the park every time after it feels weirder and weirder. And there was something else recently that did the same thing. I'm like, we got to we got to nip this in the butt. Like it, this has been done. We it's not clever anymore. It. Yeah. Um, horror is no longer a niche thing if it ever was. So um, at the airport, uh, we get a quick intro to the rest of the core cast as they're about to uh, board a plane for France. Let's, uh, uh, for- let, let's, let, let's, let's take a moment. They're going on these, these high school students are going yes. on a class trip to Paris for 10 <laughs> days yeah how many how many magazine subscriptions did they have to sell <laughs> to to pay for this trip uh based on the property values of where they're living i, I this might have only taken uh, one or two car washes to get them all the way over the top gina yeah they yeah they might have had just you know the the generosity of uh, mommy and daddy to you know fund that yeah thing. It's my my, my senior my senior class trip was to, to uh, skiing up in New York State, and it took us like two years oh. to to gather the funds together for that. See, our senior trip was to Disneyland for the grad night, where you would go to Disneyland starting at 10 p.m. and get picked up at 6 a.m. That sounds way uh, more fun than a skiing trip, honestly. It is oh, way yeah. more fun than a skiing trip. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so along the way, we hear the one voice say that the white zone is for loading and unloading only. And I can only hear that and go back to airplane as a reference. <laughs> well start played. making, start chastising somebody about, about getting an abortion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the safe and sane route. It's perfectly legal. <laughs> that voice was right. Um, so we start off with uh, TV's Care Smith, uh, hot off the set of Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very um, angry. I mean, for someone who's going to Paris for 10 days, he just looks he really is. extremely put out about having to go on this trip with his girlfriend. <laughs> with his, yeah, with, yeah, with, his, with, with, yeah with, with his highly attractive girlfriend. To, to the most romantic city in the world. He's just yeah. like scowling the whole time. Life sucks for him. He's also... <laughs> 
<laughs> Life does appear to suck for him. He is he has an anger management problem that I cannot he's, begin to grow. He's angry he, after after surviving a plane crash. He's still angry. He is he is the most gruntled of all disgruntled. <laughs> he's, he's angry even though his girlfriend is constantly on his jock. Is the, is the source of his anger that he is dressed like Ben Affleck? Is, <laughs> is that what it comes down to? I, I don't understand his costuming choices. Speaking of the girlfriend, it's uh, Terry Cheney, uh, played by Amanda Detmer, uh, beginning her horror run here. And um, I guess she's a dick's mole. Uh, I, I don't know what her character is. I don't know what her motivation is she, other than a, I need to climb on top of Care Smith every opportunity. She, she's, a, she's a girlfriend. She is a top-notch one at that. And then, of course, we have Sean William Scott as Billy Hitchcock ah. taking, a, taking a small break from playing dicks to be a dork. I love yeah. him. I love him. He's got, he, the, he's got those... Uh, uh, what the hell those mutt balls, those little chocolate thingies he had on the uh, whoppers. He brought whoppers <laughs> on the plane. He does. Now, he is yeah. constantly eating in this as if it, it, there's a bet going yeah. on behind the scenes. Now, wait, wait, you, you, wait, you, you said, you said this is all referencing horror directors and his name is Hitchcock. I don't, I don't, I don't follow. Oh, but, yeah, yeah that one doesn't, that one doesn't, that one no. doesn't quite come across. I no. know. Again, for everyone at home who's, you know, uh, you might want to have a Wikipedia open mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. we go through the movie. Yeah, that's kind uh, of a deep the- cut. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, Sean William Scott it appears to be dressed in jorts. Of course um, he is. Of course he is. <laughs> How could he not be? <laughs> he literally shows up to this movie in Kevin Smith drag. <laughs> Kevin Smith cosplay, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it seems like this character was was originally written to be played by a, let's say, a much larger actor. Yes. And then and then he and then he auditioned. They're like, yeah, you know, just give it to him. Yeah, but well, they yeah, didn't and, the and they already and they had already chosen the, the script, and they had already chosen the wardrobe for the much right, bigger person. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they're like, I don't know. We'll put you in a belt. It's fine. We film on Tuesday. Make your way yeah, up to Vancouver. Yeah. Ethan Suppley yeah. wasn't available, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the real missed opportunity. I will say this, and I can't say that I've seen everything Sean William Scott has ever done. This might be his best performance on screen. I he's kind of adorable in this movie. He he acts like he someone who has he acts like someone who has survived a plane crash. Like he's sort of relieved <laughs> yeah. or, and, and giddy and and you know and maybe a little blunt trauma. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, bit. as a kid, yeah, maybe dropped as a kid. Or, you know, uh, lead paint chips, something. Mm, yeah, what you know early on. Yeah. Either will do the trick, you know. <laughs> Got kicked by a horse. Mm, on a yeah, oh that's a trip. that's a good one. That's an old chestnut. And then of course we have uh Allie Larder, um, whose uh, career takes some interesting turns after this. Uh, maybe we'll get more into her in volume two. But she is insanely named her character Clear Rivers. Yes. Yeah, I, I that's one of those things I like had to make sure I heard that right. Yeah. Because half the cast Claire. is Claire. Mm-hmm. You have to cast as Claire. 
It's almost like they it's like they read the script and they're like, no, that can't be right. That has to be a <laughs> yeah. This this has got to be some sort of typo. I'm just gonna make corrections myself. And the yeah, and and the producers just got tired of correcting them after a while, and they're like, okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you have uh, Kristen Cloak, who was Glenn Morgan's wife at the time. Uh, she's a veteran of space above and beyond. She's playing Valerie Luton, which is <laughs> real subtle, guys. Real subtle. Well, you know, they added the four letters. Yeah, there you go. Uh, boom, boom, bang. There it is. Uh, Kristen Cloak is, and I don't know if it's Cloak or Cloaky, uh, be honest with you. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Um, but she needs to come back. She needs to be put on film or TV right now. She's so She's good. Great. Mike Flanagan, I know you're listening, uh, because why wouldn't you be? Get get her back on screen. She's a perfect Mike Flanagan lady. She is. Yeah. She, she, looks, is. Like a, she looks like a Mike Flanagan lady. She looks like Mrs. Mike Flanagan. <laughs> she does. <laughs> yeah. That's what makes a Mike Flanagan lady. You know. If they could be Mike Flanagan's wife, he's like, okay, yeah, put her on screen. Yeah. House of <laughs> something, not- something, and something, you got it. Yes, <laughs> you're in. Brown-haired pretty lady, it's like Tarantino's feet to Mike. Uh, uh, sorry, Mike Flanagan, I know you're a big well, fan. Well, of now he's show. not going to listen to us anymore. You insulted oh, him. <laughs> and Mike Flanagan presses pause, delete. So, <laughs> like, you're saying that brunettes are the feet of um, of of his movies? I'm saying he has a type, yeah. and he has a type. <laughs> And yet, when it comes to men, he likes all sorts of, of types. Yeah, but yeah. when it comes to women, he's got a specific type. Uh, speaking of types, uh, we have a pre-installed millennial hotties. Uh, Christina Marsh and Blake Dreyer, played by two actresses with SAG cards. And then hmm. we have uh, Chad Donella, uh, looking like he's straight off the set of Jim Henson's American Psycho Babies, as <laughs> Todd Wagner. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, we'll get more into how Chad speaks a little bit later on in the show because there's a better example down the line. But there's something about, mm, I don't know, it doesn't work for me. And then, of course, you have Canada's favorite miniature David Duchovny, uh, Brennan Frere as uh, George Wagner. That's right. Chad and Brennan are supposed to be twins, like a regular Schwarzenegger and DeVito style twins. <laughs> Are they supposed to be twins? I have no they're idea. They're supposed to be fucking twins. Yes. Now they're not identical twins. They're fraternal twins Correct. because they have completely different noses. Neither of which they seem to have gotten from either mom or dad. Just random noses. Just take it. This just is- just take a Mr. Potato Head nose and smack it on. <laughs> right. Just, a do- you know, dozens like, a, you know, that that thing where you, the magnets, mm-hmm. uh, the magnet filings you would move around to make a guy's beard. Gina, what is that? Wooly, 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 yeah. wooly. Yeah, yeah. How many times have you reminded me what wooly, wooly's name is? <laughs> no, it's what I'm here for. Five and a half years into this and I still can't quite remember what that's called. But if you were wondering, Patrick, was this movie filmed in the late 90s? Yes, and how I can prove it is, Alex is wearing a bowling shirt. <laughs> yeah, jerseys and bowling shirts, yeah. Jerseys and bowling shirts. Uh, it was a time, baby. 
Um, you, you can almost sense the Gap commercial that's playing in the back of their minds uh, every day on set. They, they are just about, they are about a month away from the swing music revival. They really are. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that, that was what, that was like 90, like 97, 98. Yeah, so they're right at the peak of that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, boy, oh boy. Oh, lucky them. Lucky them. They're they're various squirrels, nuts, zippers. They're all happy. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, those, those cherry daddies are popping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can also tell that they're trying to tell the audience that Clear is a bit of a free thinker because she's reading Henry Miller. Mm, freaky there's always that one you got that you got that you know that person who's into the beat generation you got the person who's into uh carrying around the satanic prominently carrying around the satanic bible exactly (laughs) and she's the only person in this film who legitimately comes off like a nine inch nails fan she also doesn't finish a fucking book in this sequence she's opened three different paperback books that's right uh, that she's filled with she can't decide which she wants to read yeah. it depends on where when the uh, camera is pointed yeah. in her direction does she want to read henry miller does she want to read about the princess diana car crash yeah <laughs> something we all needed to read about um okay so uh and it falls because it falls open exactly to that to the site of the of the car crash and I think this is the one movie where you can get away with that shit because things are constantly falling open to the thing it, they need to because there's a, I, I don't know, is death telling them to get off the plane? Is death then telling Alex throughout the movie who's going to be next like it's teasing him? Right, like why or does is that he, another like, force? Yeah, like what's what gives him the premonition? right. Yeah, that, I think that, I think like that's, if they cheat death, then why did he have the premonition? Right, right, and I think that's you know the the main thing with these movies is they are fine if you do not give them the slightest thought right. about the the logic behind it because it will not hold up in no. the in the slightest. It's it's the, well the logic never held up in Halloween. The logic never holds up in Nightmare on Elm Street. The logic never holds up in Friday the Thirteenth. Like. At a certain point, they're just in a horror movie, and you're in it for the ride, not so much for the trying to figure out the map. That said, they're laying it on a bit thick. Although I do really enjoy the cascading flight board effect, mm. where it ends up on terminal and departed. And oh my like god! Cancels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my god! I I don't know that I've ever told you, Patrick. I am terrified mm-hmm. of flying. I mean, I will, I, I will, do, I will do it, but, but mm-hmm. like I, you know, if you are flying with me, I will be squeezing your hand during, during takeoff and, 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 and landing because like the way he's like sweating and like, you know, just kind of looking at everything. That's, that's me. And this whole sequence, I'm just like, eh, oh, uh. and that I do enjoy the sort of verisimilitude, like they're laying on the dread of this you you feel it throughout like something bad is going to happen uh, and everything is telling him something bad is going to happen and you i mean i'll give it to devin sawa here like you feel that wet streak in his underwear like it's <laughs> palpable yeah i think i think what also really contributes is the uh, uh, someone who didn't get an, uh, a lot of um a lot of praise in the 
in the film world um in you know before she passed was um was the composer Shirley Walker. Yes. Yeah. Her I agree score with you. is just is so foreboding. It it really it 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 just it perfectly builds that tension in a kind of a that perfect kind of ethereal way. Yeah. Um Shirley Walker really breaking a lot of molds here for uh, people who were doing music for movies at the time. One of the few uh, women uh, composers uh, of her generation to make a lot of appearances. Oh, yeah. uh, I wish she was still around. This is a tough transition, but it has to be said. Todd's right. Poop before the plane. I'm sorry. (laughs) That That was a good move. Yeah. It really is. It is a very good move, and you should let all that go, especially if you're nearly about to die. The last well, thing you yeah. want is that poop just lingering there at the end of your digestive system uh, when you blow up. Um, yeah, that would that yeah that 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 would just that would be a bad way to go out. But James Wong, he's he's an interesting director. Like he doesn't he doesn't let the camera just sit there. Like he's very much in control of what you see and when you see it. There's a there's some interesting swirling shots mm. there's that shot of when uh alex and company are walking down the entry gangplank sort of thing and they lowered the ceilings to make it look like it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller as they walk like that's just fun smart filmmaking but he's also not above an obvious steve minor butt shot um he adds that too because he just knows entertainment <laughs> got to have them buns they really do um and of course uh, once they're on the plane it's the 90s and to be a cool kid you just have to let that f slur drop um i didn't remember that one i wasn't a fan well it's kind of unavoidable. you know, up to like the early 2000s the co a little 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 sprinkling uh, little, sprinkling. little soup of song of, of casual homophobia oh yeah 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 that's fun and as far as like airplane crash sequences oh god (laughs) fucking works man really effective yeah i mean even with the i love the one shot and it goes to the flight attendants after it starts stops rocking the first time he's like it's okay it's okay (laughs) trying to reassure people and then the entire place rips loose when when that row of people starts getting sucked out of a plane oh my god i am convinced that's gonna happen every time i fly just 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 you know plane's gonna pop open people just gonna go flying out Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly think that as many movies as we've covered on this show at this point, this is probably the most upsetting sequence to me, anything <laughs> that we've watched so far. Uh, yeah, because it, 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 it taps into a thing that you're already afraid of, and that really works. And I think as we go farther and farther in this franchise, what one thing we're going to have to keep in, in mind is which one of these opening sequences is in fact the granddaddy. Now, this is very small scale. So compared to the others, this is always going to lack for awe factor. Um, and not, for me, think, not for me. <laughs> but you haven't seen two yet, right? I know what happens in two, but, but okay. I, I just only going by my own personal fears yeah. you know i mean also you know what i did you know what we left out is that they're supposed to be flying out of jfk yeah which would be the airport that i would fly out of <laughs> if i had if i was currently going anywhere you know in a covid free world so yeah. you know something happened on a plane i'd be in the drink 
So that just adds that, you know, that horrifying sense of realism for me. I, I do that thing when I board a plane. I look at all the damage it's taken. Like, that is the thing that has stayed with me from this movie. It's like, I always look at that doorway and see where they've had to wedge something in or it's got a gash. And it's That's the idea. I do the thing where you, uh, you like, kiss your hand and touch the outside of the... Uh outside of the plane when you're going when you're going through the door you give it a, a believe uh, basically yeah it's like get, just get me on the ground man please <laughs> the the one bit that was you know talking about things that are really on the nose the bit of of when they're when they're scanning the plane and looking like oh there's a baby on the plane oh there's a man with severe cerebral palsy yeah it's like surely, surely this plane won't crash right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let's just yeah. Let, let's just let's just take care of all of our martyrs and get them out of the way right right now. Yeah, it does signal to the audience that no one is going to be safe, right. and literally, that's a point that's that's made more concrete the farther it goes on. Oh, yeah. so again, I, you know, is this the smartest movie that's ever been? No, but it's the it's really good smart dumb. Like, the, it rides a sweet line, baby. And I'm into it. Yeah. I'm fucking into the vibe of this movie. It just works for me. So uh, then Alex wakes up uh, from this experience after we see him burned to death on screen. And uh, he's sweaty as all get out. He freaks out. He he tries to get off the plane. Everyone's like, well, you're getting off the plane. It's like, I don't need your help. I'm getting off the plane. And he manages to drag seven other people off with him. And they are all up, understandably upset. They're all banned from the flight. They're, they're going to have to take another one later on. And uh, as, they, as it takes off, Sean William Scott laments, oh, there they go. And here I stay. And then that plane explodes. Kaboom. Kaboom. Uh, even better, the shockwave blows out the windows like it's very obvious that this plane has exploded yeah. how what he saw in his mind and how long that took corresponds to the entire plane just exploding i can't tell you it's movie magic who cares we don't come to final destination for realism baby that plane blows up real good what's not real good is all the adr shaky breath that we hear uh, after that it all sounds like one person going <laughs> for all of them yeah they were just, all of them yeah they were just like they, they got their they got their one breath guy in and they were yeah. just like yeah just like okay and jimmy right he'll do it all breathing jimmy yeah guys yeah yeah it's like okay now He's now a little more feminine a little more feminine breath <laughs> you know okay what does the jock sound like how does he breathe it's more like oh you know yeah exactly yeah uh, I listen. Why wasn't I hired? Uh, aside, you could have been. You could have been the breath guy overseas at the time. Yeah. Um, here we go. Uh, we're not done with the uh, characters, baby, because we got two new ones uh, making the scene. We got uh, Agent Wine, played by Andrew Roebuck, uh, and Agent Shrek, uh, the second most popular Shrek. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Little did you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that's um, of course a reference to Max Shrek. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's no other Shreks that we are aware of. Right. I love that everyone in this tank <laughs> that they've placed them in 
uh, looks at Alec like he's a freak from this moment on. They never, oh never my look at him right the way. God, and they're, they're mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just something I, I, I don't understand. Like, uh, uh, I, did you mention Todd, his friend? I mean, yeah, we've, we've talked a bit about Todd and his uh, twin brother died. Oh, the- right, right, right. That's right. right. He's, yeah, I forgot yeah. They, that he's the one with the brother because they don't seem like twins. But exactly. any, anyway, so like, like the, the father is just glowering at Alex yeah. the whole time. Like, right. like, like what'd that, you do? Right. And, and, um, and, uh, what, what was the, the, the jerk kid's name? Connor. I have to scroll back into my notes. These people are so thinly Carter. characterized. Carter. To Carter. Carter. Thank yes. you. He's just like, you know, starting fights with them and, and, you know, don't, don't think I owe you anything. I mean. Oh my know, God. It's like. It's honestly, like, I mean, if dude. someone, if, if, you know, I would start a cult around this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I was on a plane with him and he says, we have to get off the plane. It's going to crash. And he was right. Yeah, I would basically just put on robes and give him all of my money and worldly possessions. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's time to put on paper pants. Yeah, yeah, Good to, uh, yeah. Come on, gather around the ashram. Absolutely. It's like, what do you need? I will get it for you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, th- yeah. They could. They, they could have brought in that um, that Hari Krishna that stalks them in the beginning of the film. Yes. Um, oh my God! That's when you see how. What a dynamo Kristen Cloak is! Like she's so good in that. Oh, when she does the little, when she does the makes a little pouty face at the Hari Krishna. Yeah, I was like, that's when I was. That's when I fell in love. <laughs> I mean, uh, and and she is like on fire throughout this. Like she's never not in the head of this character. She's really uh, the sur- All of her emotions are right on the surface. Just she's someone, it's just she that. is. She is someone like already on the brink. Yes. Like there's some shit in her life. <laughs> there is. Um, uh, speaking of shit in your life, um, it is heartbreaking to see that everyone's family has shown up except for Claire's. You're like, fuck, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We never, we never see her parents. We never see her parents or, or anybody. Yeah. No. No, no guardians. Yeah. No, no. She like it's like she lives on her own. She's. I don't know yeah. what teenager lives on her own, but apparently she does. And she's got enough spare money for blowtorch. Yeah. She gets to, she's gotten to convert the whole garage into her, into her like workspace for her, like Deborah Butterfield, like, like sculptures, you know? Yeah. Yes. We'll get more into her art later. Um, one of the things that I like about final destination is that, especially this one, is that unlike a lot of sla- classic 80s slashers, these characters feel like real teens. They're not mini adults. They they feel um, underdeveloped in terms of their mental capacities. <laughs> they just seem young mm-hmm. uh, and not in any way, shape, or form responsible for the decisions that they make. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unlike, like, I'm, Gina, that... A Nightmare on Elm Street remake where everyone looked like uh, twenty five and up New yeah. Yorkers, and right? Freddy just as jaded as possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now to be fair, a couple of these people, I, I, I wonder if they can even tie their shoes. But <laughs> yeah, but I think that is a piece of what they are going for. It's not for like, sure. <laughs> that it just feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, it does also, speaking of, the, of things that feel right, it's entirely true to form that Terry 
and Carter cannot stop fucking no matter how many classmates are dead. They're just, she is, her ass is right up into him you know, they, while they're mourning dead people. They got to fuck that pain away, you know? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and that brings us, of course, to our favorite Billy Hitchcock. He's a very special boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying to get out of Alex what will happen um, at my driver's test and what will happen if I ask this girl out. And he's like, please stop talking to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. I'm going to continue talking to you. Got it. Message received and more words. Yes. Um, Now we're going to talk a little bit more about Todd. um, Yes, because there's a a weird thing happening here where he seems to be the only member of his family who has a Bowery boys meet the gorilla type accent. Yeah. I noticed that when he, when he's, when he's giving the speech at the memorial service, he's like, when death comes for us, it's like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it almost sounds like he's doing some sort of uh, like like a, a gangster voiceover. He's like a bunch yeah, of he looks, or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like Casey Affleck auditioning for Dead Poet Society. <laughs> <laughs> this death, you never know what it's going to come to. You so you gotta be ready, right? <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? What is this? This odd... He's a very long commute to his high school from, from uh, you know, the, the, the know, deepest part of Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> so let's cut to the Todd Wagner residence here, uh, where we get a vision of their life. And that vision is deep green walls versus a pink carpet. That is a choice. Mm-hmm. That is a choice. You know, that that is the... Well, yeah, in the late 90s, that was just the the cornerstone of opulence. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> um, and I think this is a, a new pinnacle. Like, we've never really had a movie that's come close. But, Gina, this movie has as many scenes of pooping as Friday the 13th Part 3. It, that it does. It does. I, and is that a compliment? Sure. Let's, let's, <laughs> it's, an let's, ach- let's, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, there you go. That's an accomplishment. It's an, ac- it's yeah. an achievement. I mean, they did achieve something. Uh, it also matches Friday the 13th, part three, in the number of people we see take a poop without their shoes on. So mm. there we go. At least Todd's not in an outhouse. As innocent as Alex is, having circumstantial evidence about plane crashes and the architectural plans of this aircraft in his bedroom actually make him look guilty of something he is not guilty of. The movie kind of sets up that he's been sort of feeling uneasy about this trip for a while. Yeah. And I guess that that's supposed to imply that he is, you know, kind of reading up on like the safety and, and, you know, how, you know, the, 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 the crash records of the airline or like, you know, like at the beginning when he's getting, he's packing his bags, he tells his mom not to take off the, the tag from the last flight and you know, because this was sort of superstition, she's like, ah, that's stupid. Just rips it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really a nice thing to say to your child when your child feels clearly uneasy about something that, that he's about to embark on. Your ideas are stupid and your feelings are wrong. Anyways, have fun in Paris. There you go. Uh, conversely, I do not understand how the teenager getting off a plane equals dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign for the FBI. 
that's a fucking mystery to me. Yeah, this whole mm-hmm. thing where where and and uh, you know, I was doing a little research on this, and so this is the only one of the movies in the series in which it appears that Death is trying to frame someone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's cleaning like up its he's own. taking it personal. Yeah, it's like covering its own tracks and and yeah. like mm-hmm. the mysterious water that leaks out of the toilet in Todd's bathroom, and then it kind of recedes. Recedes. Yeah, yeah. Place, is, I was never here. Exactly. It's like it's like that's that's weird. Why would you do that? Like they like they would have death's fingerprints on file. Like oh, <laughs> we've been we've been following this one for a while, everybody. Yeah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Todd's death venture goes as thus. We've got blue toilet water, although the toilet water that would be blue would come from the tank, not from the pipe. Anyways, we don't come yeah. to Final Destination for realism. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, cl- it's very clean. It looks very clean. Yeah, that's true. And it's blue so you can track it. I mean, ultimately, that's yeah. what it is. So uh, you have uh, toilet water to retractable laundry line to slippery shampoo to strangulation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you got I love the I love the buildup where you know, maybe he's going to accidentally slash his throat while while attempting to shave with which which what appears to be in close up a very dull razor. <laughs> yes. And also don't dry shave with a safety razor. This is like. Fucking safety razor 101, everybody. Or, or maybe he'll you know, somehow jam this small pair of grooming scissors up his nose. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he gets tangled up in a in a clothesline and what it actually is horrific death. Uh, and a prolonged and mean is what it and this is why you don't have a low profile tub so that you can actually push yourself up with your arms, but uh, he's caught too high here, mm-hmm. and the slippery uh, shampoo means he can't stand up straight. And ultimately, he, it is hard to strangle people, uh, is what it comes down to when you don't break a neck. So when his the capillaries in his eyes burst, oh, that because, was that was oh, rough. Fuck. Oh yeah, that 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 blood eye effect. Yeah, I'm yeah, I, yeah. That's, it's that's hard. It, yeah, it's fun as an actor, though. I can say is when they give you the blood eye, it's like ooh, yeah. <laughs> that I don't doubt. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing here um, is that uh, those tiny uh, nose scissors. If he had pulled like a, a miniature dead zone, you know, there's that one scissor death <laughs> in the dead zone. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was waiting for like the yeah when I first watched it I was waiting for like a a slip in that 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 rate that that tweezer just goes right up into the brain. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I saw this opening fucking weekend. Oh wow! And uh, the reaction to some of the stuff in the audience was as raucous as you might imagine because yeah. none of us were really fa- I hadn't even seen a preview of this. You didn't I know what heard, was coming. I didn't know what was coming because I had been out of country. So when this thing arrives, I'm like, I'm going to go see, I'll see a new horror movie. And I don't know where it's going or how it's getting there. And I was on the edge of my seat and this kind of put me over the top. Like this is a fun sequence. What a re-entry point back into the States. Final destination. Exactly. Yeah. I was flying uh, every three months. Oh, (laughs) fuck. Oh God. So again, as Gina said, 
why does death try to make this look like a suicide rather than an accident? Like he's on the run. <laughs> the Like the FBI knows his M.O. Everybody knows death's oh. M.O. People die. And, yeah. And at this point, we also get the um, we 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 get the recurring um, the recurring instance of Rocky Mountain High. Yes. Yes. You know, recurring and re- recurring theme. Recurring thing. Yes. Um, and so Alex has this premonition when his when the porn mag he's reading for the articles uh, gets shredded <laughs> by his fan. He's the one guy reading Penthouse for the articles, oh, apparently. And uh, so he goes over to see his friend Todd. And when he's outside, Claire is hiding behind the, a tree like uh, she's a Keebler elf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> the loudest stage whisper ever, ever is like, don't go over there. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't listen because why fucking would he? She looks more guilty than he does right. at this point. It's like, yeah, you're weird. And the FBI is like, oh, mm, you showed up to the death of somebody else, you know? Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. The dad says, oh, he felt guilty, so he hung himself. He's yeah. like, ah, why would he hang himself when he made plans with me? Yeah, he's uh, like, yeah. Yeah, I love how he, he phrases like, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, what? It's not, it's not Sawa's best line rating, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, occasionally you don't get a take two. Yeah. Um, but here's the one thing that Devin Sawa really can't control. And it gets weirder the longer this movie goes on. He apparently has been placed in a size of clothing that is unnatural for a man of his frame. Like he showed up to set and the clothing supervisor is like, uh, what size do you wear Devin? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. I'm like an Ohio state linebacker. And that's how he's dressed. Everything <laughs> is 15 sizes too large for him. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Ethan Suppley was also going to play his character at one point. <laughs> Aaron Suppley was everyone's clothing uh, model. He was with the, the clothing model for the, for, for, the, for, the wardrobe, for the wardrobe designer. Yeah, Allie Larder is the only one who escapes this face, fate, and she's like legally mandated to show eight inches of midriff at all times. At all times. No matter yeah, where she is. None of her shirts fit. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her shirts fit. Well, yeah. To be fair, to be fair, so is uh, so is Ethan, Ethan Suppley. He's also required <laughs> to show eight, 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 eight inches of midriff. Um. So then Alex the next day shows up to to Clear's house where she's uh, welding in a in a tiny shirt because mm-hmm. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Water and a, and, a, and a flight jacket. And she shows him head springy guy, which she denotes as the way. He makes her feel. And <laughs> I guess my question to you both is, do I understand art? Um, <laughs> At least as good as I do. Yeah. So somewhere, I mean, you know, it's, I, I mean, I, I mean, the, the more, the more question is, do you understand, you know, high school to, to freshman year college art? And, and I think it's basically just whatever you say it is. Well, I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's like well, it's the art teacher in Ghost World, where it's like you know, you bring something in and you say it's it, it's a it's a metaphor for you know womanhood, and that's what it is. I mean, who yeah, you know, who who whoops among us has not you know had someone in our lives that made us feel like our head is made of metal and filled with holes, and and on a and uh, yeah, and on a slinky, a head like a hole, 
Ooh. It was a yeah. Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> That's right. Mm. So we're back to the 90s again. Yes. Back to the 90s. Yes, please. Um, And so they decide, We, I, Alex goes, I just need to see my friend Todd again. And what better way to do that is to sneak into the funeral home where his body is being interned. Very yeah. liberal open door policy. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. no yeah, they they got they got past security very easily. I mean and, and well, they came in through the the stained glass ceiling uh window hmm. <laughs> that all funeral homes have, I guess. Uh, this seems to turn clear on, so good for her. She seems totes norms to the max. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to yuck her yum. Um, <laughs> the weirdest thing about this funeral home, aside from the fact that once they're discovered, no one cares, is that the when they sneak out of this room that they've broken into, the the door handle is at the level of their forehead. So <laughs> my question is, do giants run this funeral home? Well, I mean, you know, Tony, oh, Tony Todd, Todd is, is, a, is a large, large He is man. a very tall, he is a very, uh, you know, um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a very, uh, very tall man. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, this brings into the film a welcome presence, the one, the only Tony Todd, a man whose voice I could listen to say just about anything. Yes. And Tony Todd appears to, be having the time of his fucking life. He's got that one scene, you know, and he's, he really milks that one scene enough that he, <laughs> he enough really that does. they were like, we got to bring him back. Yeah. I would bring him back. I want him and everything. Mike everything. Flanagan. Why isn't Tony Todd? And exactly. Next show? Oh, so good. Mike Flanagan. You're still listening. Put a brown he, wig on him. Yes. Maybe he might look like your next wife. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Why is Mike Flanagan getting the flack from me? He's done nothing but entertain me for fuck's sake. Speaking of fucking. Uh, my favorite line out of that monologue is when Tony Todd says, and you don't even want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. Mac, yeah, <laughs> the way he says Mac Daddy, it, it's it's on the level of uh, of how um, of how Clarence Williams III says, welcome to hell, motherfuckers. Yeah. In, I was just thinking that, that Tales, he was a lot Tales like, Hood. I was just thinking he yeah. was a lot like this, that performance. So you're absolutely yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. I, and how has he not been in 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 one of the one of those movies as that character? Yeah, I, I don't honestly know. He is uh, he is he is in the not as that character, but he is in the wraparound um, of Tales from the Hood three. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. Maybe I did know that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. Um, but. Great performance. Oh, he's so good. Tells you the mythology without explaining everything. Basically, you have to outrun death's design. And yeah. Devin Sawa looks very confused through all of it, but he takes this philosophy on. Uh, and so they leave, and the next day, they go to your favorite place in town, the coffee beanery. Beanery. The beanery. Beanery. Of all the fanciful names for coffee shops, the coffee beanery is like a two. That's uh, not great. Yeah, they, they they could have spent a little more time on that. And so they're out, uh, you know, enjoying the crisp Vancouver spring, mm. I suppose. Uh, and uh, Alex sees a bus pass in the window, but a bus can't possibly go that way because there's a giant crane at the end of that street. I'm sure that won't come into play at any point. Anyways, 
here comes Carter and and his girlfriend, uh, and uh, they they pull up, and of course he is pissed right away. He almost runs over Sean William Scott on his way over, there. right? And he and it's time to tell Alex a thing or two about how he will never die. Mm-hmm. But you should does, never, you which you should it. never ever say. You no. should never utter the phrase "I will never die." Yes, <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I'll be right back, and I'll never die. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and this is the "I'll be right back" of the Final Destination series. Yeah, and it's it's so die. much more on the nose. It's like not not just will you not return? You will you will act. You will meet. You we you will just plain meet your demise. Yes. Uh, yeah, Carter's just really pissed uh, throughout. In general. Uh, and finally, like, you know, his girlfriend's fucking had enough of this shit. Terry's like, I'm sick of this. I'm not going to let surviving this plane crash be the biggest thing in my life. Well, she got her wish because she wanders out into the street during this and gets run over by a bus mm-hmm. in, a, in a jump scare that I think started the entire 2000s idea of what a jump scare could be because everyone chased the bus death in this from this moment just on. something something coming out of the uh, out of the yeah. uh, the other's other frame like immediately yes uh it, it i mean there are there were jump scares before this but the bus death jump scare becomes a thing after this where every movie Every horror movie is trying to attempt this sort of thing. Where it's just and, an, and ep- where it, an, an epic kill, a sudden yes. epic kill. Now, neither of you saw it in, in the theaters, and I did. And I, I can tell you my audience reaction was loud and shocked and did not let up, I think, for 45 seconds. People were legitimately freaked out at this. That's great. And it just tore the place apart. And, and apparently, the scene afterwards in which the, they're putting Alka Seltzer in water was extended simply because audiences needed a recovery period after this death to just center themselves at how shocking that was. That's what they got from the test screenings. Yes, I believe it. Uh, they they just needed a, re- a longer and longer recovery period. And my audience was like talking to one another. We were, we were going through grief. Like, how are you doing? How do you feel? Now <laughs> yeah. This? There, it, yeah. There were, there were grief counselors in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that, on, uh, listen, I, I could talk about final destination all day, but we've reached uh, this first half of the, the movie. We've reached the end of volume one. And of course, everyone knows what that means. It's, Choose your own death venture time. And that's where we decide of the deaths we saw in this portion of the film. If you were forced to die that way, which one would you choose and why? So up for bid, we have die in a burning plane crash, just explode in the middle of the sky. Or you can be in the bathroom where you slip on toilet water, get your neck caught on that retractable laundry line and slowly, painfully, choked to death or you get hit by a bus so you know galen you're our guest so that means you go first yeah i i, I think it's just just take the just take the quick exit you know um uh, yeah it just gets you know the bus just gets it done with you don't have um you you don't you don't have any time to, uh, 
you know, time to contemplate. You don't have you 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 know you're not um, just completely immolated from twenty thousand feet. You're not yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're not like grasping with your capillaries bursting and all of that. And like you know you um, you know slowly you know slowly dying a brain death. You know you just get the swift exit. I think that's yeah. it's just nice and. Not not completely clean because there's a little bit of blood splatter, but you know it's it's not it's, um, um, but but also it's a nice it, it's it's just a nice little um little confetti, you know, like you know the little bit of blood splatter on my friends, you know, that's that's like a, just a little like you know see you later. Leave leave a little self your leave a little bit of yourself behind. Yeah, exactly. Just the like last little, thing it, that's going through your head is the bus schedule, really. Well, yeah, exactly. Just a little ha ha, you know, little little Nelson from Simpsons, little ha ha. You know, you got blood on you. You got me. So you got Galen, me on how you. Do you Galen, how do you look in white pants? Because that that's that's how you're going out. It, this is true. White pants. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know that that was a that was a that did make it a slightly tougher sell, but you yeah. know it's like you're you're dead. You know, it's like yeah, they're you know your your pants are ruined either way. <laughs> Very true, Gina. What say you? I definitely would not choose to die in a plane crash, and I don't know what sort of psychopath would choose that. Um, <laughs> you know, the nor would I choose to slowly choke to death. Yeah, because that just seems an absolutely horrifying way to go, and you're probably going to pee yourself along the way. Oh, for exactly. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, just just you know, blam, just a bus, but I barely see it coming. Yeah, and, and that also seems no... on that also seems on brand for me, honestly. <laughs> I'm di- I have to dodge buses just across the street on a daily basis. That, so. To to be fair, I've had some close calls myself, so yeah. It's yes, like, it would not, it would not almost, shock me if I if I do in fact meet my demise in real life by getting hit by a bus. I almost got hit by a bus uh, in South Pasadena um, when I was riding my. Bike, oh yikes! Uh, yeah, uh, riding taglines for the relaunch of Melrose Place in my mind. Uh, it's still the bus's fault. It it literally tried to kill me. It was um, a sentient bus, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, bus all the way, one hundred percent. Um, so that just about does it. But of course, uh, before we go, it's time for plugs, uh, right up top. Uh, this is our new tradition. Our artwork is by Josh Hollis. You can visit him at joshhollis.com. And our music thing is by Revenge Body. And you can go to revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com to find more music from him. Galen, uh, where can people hear, see, or read more about you? Um, you can um, you can find me on the gram um, and the the of the of the instant insta variety um, mm-hmm. at uh, Galen Howard all one word um, and I'm um, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at um, underscore Galen underscore Howard underscore um, and um, and then you can. You can find you can find anything else you might have missed at uh, at my personal website galenhoward.com and right. yeah yeah official domain and uh, and and yeah perfect uh, Gina where can people find and hear more about you on these here internets I write about movies and television at thespool.net and I am on Twitter and Instagram under Gina does things that's G E N A does things 
do today, people checking out. Of course, you can reach us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, just look up Kill by Kill and you can find us. Of course, we also have our Patreon where we're doing fun things. We have a bonus episode for you in the middle of this month. And at the end, we have Halloween 5. Gina, is there more info about our exponential growth on Patreon. Yes, we we just keep getting new patrons. I, I don't I don't know where you're all coming from, but I thank you. Um, I would like to welcome uh, Priya, Jessica, Cody, and uh, someone who listed their name as Dark Green. I don't think that's okay. the real name, but you know what? We'll call you Dark Green. That's the name they chose, Works or for me. the name they their mama gave them. Who's to say? They're, they're, yeah, I mean, if, if a character could be called Clear Rivers, then someone could be <laughs> called themselves Dark Green if they want correct. to. Yeah. Uh, absolutely correct, one hundred percent. That just about does this uh, does it for us. But don't worry. Uh, uh, next time we have some After Dark, and then after that, uh, we're back with more Final Destination with a great guest. Until then, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. Uh, until then, for myself, for Gina, and for Caitlin. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.